You're listening to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. Here's your host, Ed Yonka, Director of Communications and Public Policy. Thank you, Max, and welcome to Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. In past episodes of this podcast, you have met two of our clients, Judy Brown and Nova Madej, seeking basic dignity and recognition for who they are, proud transgender women. In a more recent episode, we told you about the work we are doing to demand basic health care and fair treatment for prisoners who are transgender in Illinois and in federal prisons. As the country marks Transgender Awareness Week, we wanted to take a broader look at where the fight for transgender rights stands across the country. A poll released at the end of 2019 showed that support for transgender rights in America is higher than at any time in our nation's history, with people from across a number of demographic groups actually reporting that they have changed their minds and become more supportive of transgender rights. But state legislatures continue to pass an onslaught of bills discriminating and restricting access and full and equal access for those who are transgender. Black and brown women who have been leaders in the fight to advance transgender rights continue to face abuse and harm at the hands of police and others. We are very fortunate to have an exceptional guest to discuss this issue in detail with us today, John Knight. John is the director of the ACLU of Illinois LGBTQ and HIV project, as well as being a staff lawyer for the National ACLU LGBTQ project. In his dual role, John has argued and won cases for transgender people in Illinois and also in Alaska, Wisconsin, and Michigan, including representing Amy Stevens in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. He also was a chief architect of a change to Illinois law that allows those born in our state to change or modify the gender marker on their birth certificate without expensive invasive surgery. And he helped to develop and implement a strategy in Illinois that has led to some of the best protections for students who are transgender. John, welcome to Talking Liberties. Thank you. As we mark this Transgender Awareness Week, um, I think we have to recognize that like the last four years of the Trump administration has really been particularly hard on people who are transgender and transgender rights. Um, the government, the federal government has adopted policies that either discriminate or attempt to write out any protections for those who are transgender. You know, what are some of the areas where you've seen that happen and been the most concerned about? Well, it's happened in a whole range of areas. And I do think it's important to consider the way in which, um, from the very beginning, the Trump administration erased LGBT people from the websites. I mean, erasing trans people, you know, the, the, this is, is just exactly the opposite of what we should be doing and what this week is all about, which is helping us to be more aware about our trans sisters and brothers and colleagues. And because I, you know, the reality is we're, we're a diverse country and there are a lot of trans people that we know and and yet we we don't think about the issues that face trans people in fact there are a lot of people who are trans who we we didn't know we had no idea you know and part of the reason why that was the case is because there's been so many years of discrimination against trans people that people were afraid 
to, to let anyone know other than their most intimate family members, um, you know, those they were closest to. But, uh, you know, we had seen that turning around. And then the last four years have just been, I, I wanted to say backsliding, but it, it's, it's, it's more the backsliding. It's like, it's like turning around and going backwards. I mean, it's, I don't know quite Your what the point, image is, the metaphor is. Your point about, uh, let me just say before we talk about the specifics, you know, your point is really well taken that literally when they took over the federal government, they removed people who were transgender from the websites of the federal government, like acting like they didn't even exist. Yeah, no, no. And, and that was LGBTQ people in general. But, um, you know, the, the efforts have continued very explicitly in many different ways. It's a, it's a concerted attack on trans people that has just been shocking and, and appalling. I think we all remember when the president just tweeted out one morning banning people who are transgender from military service. Right. Right. And then, uh, right, there was an effort in in housing recently to affect or ban trans people or, or, or discriminate against them? Well, yeah, I mean, effectively writing like trans people don't exist. So homeless shelters are allowed to discriminate. They're allowed to pretend like transgender people don't exist. And they do that es essentially by saying, we deny your reality. A trans woman, well, you're not a woman to me. Uh, that that's the way that has played out. Um, I mean, the first very explicit thing was taking down the protection for transgender students that the Department of Education and the Department of Justice uh, took down. So taking away a lot of the progress we'd seen under the Obama administration. And that was one of the first things, but it continued, as you say, through the change with respect to homeless people taking away those sorts of protections. And what about with regards to um, access to health care? So the Affordable Care Act uh, non-discrimination provisions, um, those regulations, you know, we, right away we saw the Department of Justice uh, refusing to defend those in this litigation in federal court in Texas. Um, we saw then uh, an effort to take away those rules, and those rules have now been changed, although there have been challenges to those rule changes. And so, you know, the Affordable Care Act in the non-discrimination uh, provision within the statute itself can't be taken away but the regulations themselves have been um, have been impacted and taking it away. So, you know, just ignoring trans people and explicitly um, taking away whatever protections it, it existed and, and effectively challenging the reality of a transgender person. And, and the health care that they need the way others might need health care for, for treatment of anything else. Well, right. I mean, the, we're not, again, we're not talking about something special we're talking about taking away protection of access to healthcare that everyone else has so like right we've had right so many years in which there were these exclusions written written into insurance policies um that still exist too many too many employers still have those sorts of things too many frankly governments still have those kinds of policies around um saying explicitly we'll provide health care for everybody else but not transgender people you mentioned the Department of Education withdrawing the guidance that the Department of Education 
and the Department of Justice had issued during the Obama administration about uh, students who were transgender. And I, I remember, and look, I, I I'm just want to say this up front, it's because of your work that, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of families and parents of transgender students around Illinois. And I remember the night that that got reversed, having a conversation with a mother who said to me, you know, my child went to sleep before I heard that. What do I say to them when they wake up? And I just wonder sort of how that, how you thought about that or how those families felt when, you know, when that guidance got reversed it, because it impacted children, I suppose, especially. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's heartrending. It's just so tough. It was tough already because schools were resistant to the reality of, of transgender people and transgender students. And, you know, young people were accepting the diversity within the student population, but the parents and communities were, were not so much. And they finally had an, an ally in the Trump administration that is these opponents of, of trans equality and, and, and awareness and, um, of the, and protection of the lives of trans people. You know, I think that was just extremely harmful. What we, what we said, of course, and what we are lucky to have here in Illinois is laws that are explicitly protective of, of transgender students. While it's a devastating loss, to have the federal government telling you that you no longer exist and that we're gonna that we're gonna uh, take away any protection that you had. Fortunately, we've got a state that provides those protections. But it's been a really hard won battle over many years to get the state to recognize and enforce those protections in a, in a number of school districts. It, it it has. I mean, I think there were just you know, a need to make it clear that when it says don't discriminate against transgender people, it really means that, you know, the law requires that. You can't treat, you can't, you know, create a separate space within the locker room or create a separate locker room for trans people. What student wants to be told, oh, everybody else is welcomed in, but not you? And why? Because you're trans. I mean, what a devastating experience for any student who just wants to get along and be treated like everybody else. Yeah, let, in their teenage years, to be separated and segregated like that is already an awful thing. And then, and then to face that from the school makes it even worse. Right. You, you would but think gonna... after years of understanding how terrible that is for people to segregate them because of, of some something about themselves, uh, we would know better, but. Uh... I suppose it's reflective of the work of the ACLU in some ways. I, I'm sorry, going back to the point you made before, that you literally have to work for years to demonstrate that what the law says is what it actually means. Right, I mean, I think we've seen that in many different areas, and the only way we really get there is by the courageous trans people who either as clients of ours or in general have stood up and said, I'm here, I'm, I'm your friend, family member, colleague, I'm just asking to be respected for who I am. And I think that has been a huge part of getting school districts and, um, and courts and administrative bodies in this state to say, yeah, equality and fairness mean just what they say and they require treating people, treating people the same, not 
singling somebody out because they're trans for differential treatment. That's, that's what we've seen for way too many years. There, there is this poll that I cite often about that was issued last year that showed that support for trans rights nationally is up at the highest level it's been ever. And that, that, that across a variety of different demographics, one of the things that the reason it's risen is because across demographics, people affirmatively report they've changed their mind about supporting transgender rights. I kind of attribute that to, to what you're describing as this leadership of people who have uh, been willing to stand up and say, this is who I am, and I'm your family member and coworker and relative and friend. And do you think that's, do you think that's been a part of this movement? I mean, absolutely. And, and, you know, part of why this week is such an important one is just saying, let's celebrate let's celebrate this part of our community and um, aspect of our community and understand that we're all in this together. This Transgender Awareness Week, we're also, this is, the, this is the first Transgender Awareness Week we've had since the Supreme Court decided the Stevens case having to do with employment discrimination. And I know that, that you represented Amy Stevens at the, in the Sixth Circuit. I wonder if you could just talk about what that case was really about at kind of its base, what, what it fundamentally represents. I mean, it represents saying that when you fire someone because they're transgender, you're violating federal law. And it's, it was really about stopping the federal government from taking away the protections that already existed in law. People would say that, I mean, We'd like to call it the Stevens case, but ultimately it's the Bostic decision. decision yeah. It's the, you know, the consolidated cases um, involving LGB people and trans people were decided at the same time and together. You know, the, those protections, it, particularly for trans people, had been uh, in place in the law for a while. The courts had recognized that when you discriminate against someone because they're trans, that is a form of sex discrimination. There's no other way to see that. You know, it was just the, it was an effort to take that away that was a part of the reason why this ended up in the, in the Supreme Court. Um, and the court fortunately saw it the right way and said that those protections should remain and should be broad and, and uh, recognized throughout the country. And I, and I realize that that decision gets caught up in, as you said, as being really the Bostic decision and the, the cases were combined. It's, it's right to say that this was the first time that the Supreme Court had ever dealt with a, a case strictly being a, a sort of on point on transgender rights? Yes, it, it was. I mean, there, there uh, was a, the Farmer versus Brennan case years ago involving a transgender prisoner, but that really wasn't specific about trans rights per se. It was about, um, you know, the rights to protection in federal prisons for everyone. It happened to be a trans woman who was the plaintiff in that case. Um, but explicitly a case about trans rights and trans rights to fairness and equality, this was the first time, yes. So 50 years from now, will, will people still be talking and writing about Amy Stevens for pursuing this case all the way to the Supreme Court? Sure, I'm, I'm guessing so. I, t I think those cases um, play an important role and they're a huge part of the development of the law. And, and I guess I, I, I wonder, and I know I've asked this 
previously in the thing, but it takes so much courage to put yourself out there to take a case and pursue it that far in the way Amy did. And, 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 and you know, I know she died just before the decision came out, but what, what kind of courage does that take for anyone around anything, but especially in this instance? I, I don't think Amy's alone in this. I mean, Amy was an, an, an amazing, strong person. You know, fortunately, we have just an, an amazing set of advocates for um, expansion of, of the rights of LGBT, LGBTQ people and trans people in particular. And uh, it takes a lot. I, I, it's an admirable quality. It's not easy to put yourself out on out like that. And Amy, you know, Amy lost her job and she um, she ultimately was able to find a job, but it was not easy. Uh, it really, you know, it's when you have a job that you love to lose it and, and to face the implications of that for you and your family, it's it's a tough thing. And then to fight, to go go to the mat over that can make it even more difficult. Well, I, I guess, you know, I for one am just happy that she at least got to see the argument and live that history and see that as, as, as part of that effort. I mean, I have to say one of the, you know, one of the other things that we've seen in the last four years and, and a, a serious cause for concern on it, uh, for us is the many efforts of the Trump administration to expand the ability of federal contractors and employers and homeless shelters to um, refuse to recognize trans people because of because of religious views you know this license to, to discriminate against trans people uh, that the Trump administration has pushed for for you know for these various individuals is is a serious problem and as you know, you know we care about protecting uh, the rights of, of, of to religious liberty and religious freedom, but we certainly don't think that those should ever be able to trump um, the the importance of of protecting people from discrimination, women and trans people. And, and you know, the reality is when we're talking about trans rights, it's a part of a larger picture right. of. Um, expansion of the rights of all people to be free from gender-related discrimination. And just to be clear, the concern is, is that you create some sort of religious exemption, which ultimately swallows up the non-discrimination rule that you fought so hard to win. It, it very much can, you know, it, it's sort of defend, depends on how far it goes, but it can very much allow discrimination in ways that are just hard to stop. Like anyone who says, you know, that violates my religious views to hire this person or to keep this person on staff or um, license or place a child with with that family um, yeah, to deny someone health care. I mean, we see um, Catholic hospitals, Catholic providers denying trans people health care. So those sorts of things are, are a cause of great concern and have been a part of the legacy that the Trump administration has created. So John, one of the ways we think about our issues, of course, is, is through intersectionality. You know, in, in, and in this area, obviously there's the kind of discrimination bias, uh, the, the kind of hatred that you're describing aimed at people who are transgender. That becomes much worse for, for transgender people of color. 
And I, I wonder what you see happening in that intersectionality and what steps we should be taking to try to correct it. Yeah, I think there, there are a number of things about that. I mean, it is true that if you look at any kind of discrimination that trans people of color experience at a higher rate, you know, starting with violence, when we, when we think about the number of trans people who have died on the streets because of being trans, uh, which is just a shocking figure, those people are largely trans people of color. And, um, you know, but if we talk, even if we talk about employment or employment discrimination or discrimination within, within access to public places, it is often the brunt of the burden of discrimination often happens to trans people of color. And I think it is in part because the inherent racism that is a part of our society and, and that we think has gone away but hasn't feeds into, you know, the, the two work together. And I do think the reality is um, we have done a lot of thinking about what, what are the most important things we can be doing for trans people of color um, because, you know, often what is the highest priority for trans people in general may not be though for those who are most at need and most burdened. That I think access to Medicaid coverage for trans people that we fought so hard for in Illinois, I don't know that I know the exact numbers, but I suspect that they're more, but there's certainly we know that when we're talking about trans people of color, the income level is, is just lower. And I'm sure that's just a, a sign of the discrimination that trans people experience in many ways. Um, violence, uh, you know, the, the mistreatment by police. You know, we've seen very poorly written Chicago police policies about trans people who have been working to change so that people are really respected as who they are and are treated with a little bit more respect. I mean, the, the reality is because of poor treatment, a lot of people, people of color, but especially I think trans people of color are afraid to call the police. We've seen this over and over. People uh, are, rather than being helped, um, they're victimized by the police. And, and so that, that just becomes a spiraling set of problems that, um, that require a lot of creative thinking, I think. Um, I think that's one, of, that's one thing that it's just hard for people to imagine to be the victim of crime and be afraid to call the police because you know you'll be further victimized. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier on the, in the education area, but what protections do uh, uh, people who are transgender have under Illinois law? Illinois protections include employment discrimination. They include housing discrimination. They include uh, discrimination uh, in, in public accommodations, so your ability to use restaurants or access any public place, honestly, including schools, all of those things are protected. Uh, you can't treat trans people differently in any, of those, in, in any of those ways. You know, you've litigated cases on behalf of people who are transgender in Illinois, in every court, you know, all across the country. And I just wonder, you know, we've talked about all these issues, we talked about this awareness, sort of where do you see things going in the future? And, and are you hopeful that things will get better? I mean, I remain hopeful. And I think 
probably the main cause of hope is just the fact that I think our trans colleagues and friends and and the leaders in the trans community are are not going away and the, and they're going to continue to push their cause and we're going to partner with these advocates to 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 make things better and I think you know we're seeing improvements we've seen improvements in the state of Illinois um, there's still a ways to go you know the tr the prisons in Illinois are, are are a disaster in terms of the, the kind of medical care they're providing trans people um, we're still seeing lots of government bodies as well as private employers who are not providing trans inclusive medical care you know there's work needs to be done in recognizing people's ability to have identity documents that are consistent with who they are and i think that I think we have great hopes of, that the Biden administration will be a leader in the way the Obama administration was in terms of expanding and ending some of the discrimination that has been put in place by the Trump administration. So I'm hopeful. I think it's going to, I think this has been a serious turning back and honestly just a slap in the face for a lot of people over the last four years. Uh, but even during these four years, people have not stopped the fight. And we've still seen successes in the last four years, notwithstanding um, the concerted effort to uh, to silence trans people, hide trans people, to ignore the existence of trans people. Well, John, listen, thanks so much for taking the time today to come and talk about this and uh, help us mark this uh, very important week as Transgender Awareness Week. Thank you. If you have other questions about the work of the ACLU of Illinois to advance transgender rights, you can find more information at our website at www.aclu-il.org. Thank you for listening to Talking Liberties. This podcast is produced by Max Bever. Our content supervisor is Kimberly Kozeel. Our executive director is Colleen Connell. You can subscribe to Talking Liberties and rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can contact us directly at talkingliberties, all one word, at aclu-il.org. Until next time, this is Talking Liberties with the ACLU of Illinois. We will see you soon.